You are listening to the Fretzelmania podcast on Anchor.fm. This podcast is dedicated to the real world's champion, Harley Race. Welcome, everybody, to the WrestleAddict Radio Patreon page. I am Mr. Fretz of the Game Changer podcast, Sundays on WrestleAddict Radio. With Nate the Effing Great, you can find him on Twitter at RealEffingGame. You can find me at the Legendary JF on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me also on Facebook at James Fretz. And once in a while, through my personal podcast, Fretzelmania, that's F-R-E-T-Z-O-E Mania. It is on Anchor.fm, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast. Just about, just about everywhere, folks. Um, this is a bonus edition of the Fretzelmania podcast, which is going to be available on the WrestleAddict Radio Patreon, but also on my personal feed this time. Now, what is the future life for the Fretzelmania podcast? Well, once in a while, I'm going to be putting a couple of things up here on the Patreon page, maybe a blog entry. Uh, it might be some stuff that you've heard before, but... I kind of want to get some more of it out there. So, folks, SummerSlam is today. Actually, not today. I'm recording this on Thursday, August the 1st. SummerSlam is August 11th, which is the day of the Patreon launch. So, foresight, time travel, what have you. Uh, Get back in the TARDIS. Summerfest. Damn you, Jeremy Piven. So SummerSlam, the second biggest pay-per-view of the year, the biggest party of the summer, whatever you want to call it. This is just an event I've had many, many good times with, whether I was watching this with my friends, whether I was watching this on my own, whether I was, you know, I've never been there live, unfortunately, and I'm not going to be there live Uh, This year, although it is taking place in my neck of the woods in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, I have previous commitments that would just uh, prohibit me from going to that. So fingers crossed. Hey, if you're going to be in Toronto next year, WWE, maybe Mr. Fretz will finally make his live event debut. I've been to a couple of house shows and that's it. So. SummerSlam to me was just my favorite way to kind of celebrate the end of the tourist season. You see, right now, I I live on a beach, and right now as we approach Civic Holiday Weekend, which is likely our busiest of the year, uh, SummerSlam, it's usually a lot later in August. For some reason, it's on the 11th. Maybe it has something to do with the uh, Scotiabank Place, a.k.a. their Canada Centre. Maybe there's other... Uh, stuff going on there on the 18th and the 25th. I'm not sure. Anyways, this is not about that. This was also, you know, when I was in high school, I watched a couple of SummerSlams live, as we're going to be talking about throughout my list. I had friends I watched wrestling with in high school, and this was also our thing to look forward to, slash not look forward to, a new year of change, new year of school, and just to celebrate summer and wrestling. So, with 30 years, holy crap, of matches to sift through, let's go. Firstly, 
I got to get an honorable mention right out of the way. And that is D'Lo Brown versus Jeff Jarrett for the European and Intercontinental Championship at SummerSlam 99. Now, nostalgia shades heavily implied. Now, I was 15, and as all of you know by now, in 99, I was fresh out of spinal fusion surgery from the previous June. You know, I've told a story where I almost ordered a King of the Ring 99 right from my hospital bed. And, you know, thankfully I didn't slash couldn't. And, you know, I talked about that on um, on the Game Changer podcast before. I talked about that on my appearance on the Kings of the Rings podcast last year. But this was the first SummerSlam I watched live on pay-per-view. This was, I'm going to reference this a lot as I go throughout some of my reviews. This was a my friend Dave's basement pay-per-view. My buddy Dave, I've known him since uh, since we were nine. Although, like any, like people do, I've lost contact with him over the years, but he's still someone I hold dear due to, you know, nostalgia and just, you know, we grew up together. Uh, so, Dave's basement. Air-conditioned. He gave me the comfy recliner chair surrounded by a fortress of pillows to keep, you know, my back comfy because spinal fusion is extremely painful. So, like every other show we watched in in his house, we pigged out on all the pizza, the nachos, you know, even like his parents, like his, his mom made us food. Oh, Gloria, you're cooking. Mmm, my goodness. Uh, I, uh, I miss those times. Um, many good times in Dave's basement. Uh, so, you know, of course I'd chip in like a fiver or a tenner and just, you know, here, here's the go towards the pay-per-view. This show opened with one of my low key favorites at the time, D'Lo Brown, facing off against one of my f- most hated wrestlers of all time in Jeff Jarrett. So obviously you knew who I was rooting for in this match. Uh, it wasn't that great of a match, but it featured a trimmed down Mark Henry turning on D'Lo Brown to amazing heat. I'm like, yeah, D'Lo Brown, you're just trying to help your buddy lose weight. I mean, Mark, no need to be a dick about it. I recently lost a bunch of weight. You don't heal out on the guy that's trying to save your life. Of course, you know, we saw Mark Henry cost him the mat, cost D'Lo the match. Jeff Jarrett walks out with two titles and just hands Mark Henry the European title the next night on Raw. And of course, at Unforgiven, we all know that D'Lo Brown won the title back and continued his reign as the champion of Europe. Now, number 10 is Team WWE from Team Nexus from SummerSlam 2010. Now, This match is at the bottom of the list because of what could have been. Now, just today, Nate and I recorded uh, the the latest edition of the Game Changer podcast, which is going to be up on Sunday, August 4th. So by this time, you'd have listened to it by now, I hope. So we went went, uh, quite extensive on the whole Nexus thing. Now, this could have been something amazing. Now, not since the NWO have we seen a faction have 
have been so white hot and taking the WWE by storm. The next, just just after the first season of NXT, back when it was a really crappy reality show, <sighs> this team of call-ups, these team of rookies, these team of people in developmental all came up together as a unit. You know, we are one as their amazing theme song by 12 stone says, uh, everyone from announcers to referees to legends to Vince McMahon himself being attacked and jumped by them. Um, so they all run rough shot on WWE. WWE. Everyone was laid out. So you look at the side that the WWE had. I mean, you had John Morrison, Chris Jericho, Edge, John Cena, Bret Hart, R-Truth, and a mystery opponent, Daniel Bryan. Going up against, we had Wade Barrett, Justin Gabriel, Skip Sheffield, a.k.a. Ryback, Michael Tarver, David Otonga, Heath Slater, and Darren Young. Now, this. look Looking at this now, and I'm looking at the Nexus, and it's like, isn't it weird that Heath Slater is the only person still wrestling? Oh, and Daniel Bryan. In this entire match. Oh, and R-Truth, I'm sorry. I mean, in WWE, gosh. Hmm. Yeah, expect a lot of rabbit trails from my solo shows, folks. If you listen to the Game Changer podcast, you know that I definitely go all over the place. So you're going to expect it here, and you're going to like it. So, this was just uh, wrong. The WWE won this match. And this immediately killed their credibility, killed any momentum that Wade Barrett would have had. On the plus side, this saw the genesis of the really great Miz and Daniel Bryan feud that lasted forever. So maybe I'll give that a partial credit. I would have had Nexus win. I would have had Nexus come in and stampede, take all the belts, NWO style, and and just run over the entire company. But, yeah, that's on the bottom. And, you know, the fact that, you know, there was like a DDT on the floor and then John Cena still won. This was Super Cena at its worst. So, yeah. Next, number nine. Steve Austin versus Kurt Angle for the WWE title at SummerSlam 2001. Oh, 2001. Frosted tips, boy bands, the invasion, and the last time I was in an actual relationship. I know, I'm sad and lonely. Please laugh at me. Despite being fairly injured, the both of them put on an incredible match and told an even better story. Austin, the leader of the Alliance, the second Alliance he was in with Paul Heyman, look it up, did his best to be the asshole cocky heel, despite being mega over. I mean, Stone Cold was one of the hardest guys to turn heel, unless you were wrestling Kurt Angle in Pittsburgh and not in Forgiven. 
Angles, Austin's getting cheered. Period. End of story. That's it. So Austin took 10 German suplexes for like the probably 10th time in his career. See that SmackDown match he had with Chris Benoit as a reference for that? Damn. With his bad neck, you got to give him credit. Now, in this match, seemingly every WWE referee on the payroll gets taken out by Austin before classic NWO stooge referee Nick Patrick comes to save the day and quote-unquote disqualifies Austin for abusing officials. Now, this was funny. My girlfriend at the time was a huge wrestling nut, just like me, and she was an Austin fan no matter what. So this made our relationship kind of interesting. I mean, I loved Austin too, but I also loved Kurt Angle, and I wanted to see Kurt Angle win. So that was a little bit, a little bit spicy there. Number eight, CM Punk versus Jeff Hardy. TLC world title match at SummerSlam 09. Spoiler alert, this obviously won't be the first TLC match on this list. Or a ladder match. Or a match featuring a Hardy. I'm spoiling everything. Hardy was on his way out of the company. Uh, his contract was coming up. And I think he was either going out to take a break. And then eventually end up in, in uh, Impact Wrestling. Punk had just won his second consecutive Money in the Bank briefcase. So, of course, he was on a meteoric rise. His first title run was kind of a dud. Uh, and even because he, he like didn't even technically lose his title, like, you know, you're taken out of a scramble match because Randy Orton kicked you backstage. What? <clears throat> I'm not ranting about that now. That's for another time. Maybe spoiler alert. Maybe during this time, punk was really catching fire or just after this, I forget when it happened with his straight edge gimmick. The heel heat he was getting was absolutely unmatched. You know, in his uh, Best in the World DVD, Punk goes into detail about how much he loved this time. You know, he won his world title back in an amazing match that saw Jeff Hardy pull his usual daredevil stunts that would take about 20 years off his life, including that classic swan ton from the 20-foot ladder. How do you learn to fall off a 20-foot ladder? And a sunset flip powerbomb. Rest in peace, Eddie Guerrero. Punk doing a superplex off of it. The whole nine yards. Punk, of course, you know, wins back his world title. His celebration is, of course, cut short due to gong. The Undertaker's back, player. You know, we see this match, of course, get a sequel in a SmackDown Loser Leaves Town steel cage match shortly after. Of course, we know Jeff loses, and he's not seen in the company until 2017. Then Punk enters a could-have-been-better feud with The Undertaker, and then eventually, I guess after his rub with Taker, and Taker gave him the seal of approval that he solidified his spot in the upper echelon of the company, finally. Number six, Razor Ramon versus Shawn Michaels for the Intercontinental title at SummerSlam 95. Ladder match. 
The sequel to their WrestleMania 10 classic came with actually a few restrictions and ham handcuffs. You know, not the ones that I'm not going there. <clears throat> there was a strict no using the ladder as a weapon rule around this time. You know, I think they were also looking at new blood. This is when peak new generation, uh, cartoony, no blood, no blah, 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 blah. So despite those restrictions, they put on a brutal physical match that had great psychology, high spots, and a Michaels one. Despite not being as good as WrestleMania 10, it is one that is still worth seeking out. It's a classic. Number five, Kurt Angle versus Rey Mysterio. SummerSlam 2002 kickoff. A fantastic opener to a criminally underrated uh, pay-per-view. You know, this was just after the Attitude Era ended. This was right at the kickoff of the Ruthless Aggression Era. My goodness. I mean, this was nothing but awesome. I mean, not long before this, this was Kurt Angle's uh, You Suck Chance coming uh, to a um, beginning. Uh, they were just starting to uh, tune these into his theme. The heat was nuclear, to say the least. Angle was always amazing at getting and retaining all of the heat. Now, even though Angle was, you know, an all-mate, an all-American patriot in a pay-per-view where my boys, the un-Americans, would wrestle, he was taunted and booed until the New York fans' throats were sore. Uh, New York, you guys can be absolutely brutal. Just constant back-and-forth action with Rey Mysterio finally tapping out to the ankle lock after a whole bunch of back-and-forth and crazy uh, action. Shocking to see... Rey Mysterio, in his pay-per-view debut, lose, but losing in the way he did to a top-tier guy like Kurt Angle gave him a great rub. Phrasing. Number four. Bret Hart versus the British Bulldog for the Intercontinental title. SummerSlam 1992, Wembley Stadium, London, England. This was the SummerSlam we thought we'd never see. Geez, until the home video release, pay-per-view was still a thing back here, events. Despite being absolutely wasted and high on whatever he was on, uh, Davy Boy still put on a great match for his home country. You know, the late Davy Boy Smith, British Bulldog, battling his drug demons at this point in time. Uh, Brett physically dragged him through this, but observing this match, you couldn't really tell that Davy Boy was was on crack or peyote or whatever he was doing. Maybe the adrenaline sobered him up. I mean, you're only wrestling in front of 80,000 of your fellow countrymen. Now the two put on a 20 minute nonstop clinic before Davey reverses the sunset flip into a sit down pin. And that pop was deafening. You know, it was a nice moment that saw, <clears throat> excuse me, saw, Brett passed the torch to Davy Boy before Brett moved up the cart to winning the WWE title. 
Excuse me. Unfortunately for Davey, I mean, he was fired shortly after dropping the Intercontinental title to Shawn Michaels. Number three, AJ Styles versus John Cena, SummerSlam 2016. I know some of my WrestleLotic radio boys were at this match. Holy crap, this one was hot. AJ had just debuted at the Royal Rumble a few months previous and put on a really strong performance. You know, of course, he lost to Chris Jericho at WrestleMania, lost a couple matches to Roman Reigns, and it looked like either to some that he was already getting lost in the shuffle, despite being thrust into the main event picture right away. So he gets drafted to SmackDown and starts doing his and my new favorite thing, beat up John Cena. Now, if this match wasn't the passing of the torch, I don't know what is. Cena and AJ put on a clinic of a match. I mean, this was around the time Cena was doing, like, you know, he just did, like, the United States Open Challenge. And people were starting to respect him and be like, oh, instead of, oh, screw this Super Cena crap, oh, I'm like, oh, he's actually good. Oh, he did a Code Red. Whoa! So this was around the time where I stopped being the classic Cena hater, even though I wanted to see AJ Styles just beat the living crap out of him. Anyway, five moves of doom, uh, whatever. So he already had his one of the U.S. title, and he had great matches against the likes of Kevin Owens, Cesaro, Sami Zayn, Zack Ryder, whatever. So Styles wins clean over Super Cena after the Phenomenal Forearm. Wow. Okay. So, of course, AJ Styles would win his first WWE title right after this and cement himself as the face that runs the place. Now, I've been a fan of AJ Styles since his brief stint in WCW in 2001. So this was a great moment for me to witness. <sighs> my, my, my goodness. I'm absolutely loving and now the current united states champion back with the club the oc california yeah hmm. you'll never think about them the same again huh so you know of course they had a rematch at royal rumble 2017 which was also amazing but i think this was their better match and also because aj styles won now here's the last two matches number two Edge and Christian versus the Hardy Boys versus the Dudley Boys. SummerSlam 2000. Tables and ladders and chairs. Oh my. Oh geez. That's obvious. While their sequel at WrestleMania X7 would outdo this and every other following TLC match until the end of time, this one stands out as an absolute classic as well. The three teams kept attacking each other with their respective gimmicks, with the ENC with the chairs, Hardys with the ladders, and Dudleys with the tables. And I'm just now noticing what was with ending everything in the letters Z in 2000. Come on. So finally, Commissioner Foley has had enough and said that this match at SummerSlam is going to be a tables, ladders, and chairs match. Oh my. So right away, Bubba Ray Dudley gets wood, giggity, and two concussions. Nowadays, with CTE and all that, and number two chair shots and whatnot, it can be hard to watch. 
we had high spot, high spot, high spot, high spot, high spot, one topping the other. Finally, one ending with the crescendo of that big, tall ladder bump through the table. The hometown Hardys get decimated through said tables, and Edge and Christian barely escape with their lives getting mega heat in the process. And this SummerSlam was the second annual and sadly last SummerSlam party in Dave's basement. Although we would have a couple of more uh, pay-per-views between between then and um, the end of the era. <sighs> Nostalgia, good times. And number one, obviously, in case you haven't seen it coming now, is Bret Hart versus Owen Hart for the WWE title, SummerSlam 94. Why this match didn't main event the show because Taker versus Taker was shit. All you saw it coming. All two of you. Brother versus brother in a steel cage. What more can we say? Well, the two best technical wrestlers in the company at the time put on my favorite and best SummerSlam match for my money. The Hart family feud has boiled over to the in-laws with the involvement of the Bulldog and Jim Neidhart, giving the story a nice little uh, nice little bit of salt. The promo cut that the promo that Owen cut in the dark with the blue light in the cage was amazing. Owen still being that jealous little Brett of a brother wanting what big brother Brett has, the WWE title, and the admiration of his family. In one word, this was a masterpiece. And of course, Owen was fresh off of winning the King of the Ring and immediately put into the title picture as expected. This looked like it would be the culmination or the end of a feud, but they they didn't really wrestle that much between then and now, but you'd still see them at each other's throats, uh, still having the odd interaction here and there and the odd match here and there. But it wasn't until 1997 where Brett and Owen would make amends and form the Hart Foundation. Now, at this point in 1994, I don't think we ever saw a superplex off the top of the cage. It showed the guts and the, the determination of the hearts to put on something great. And this was one of the classic videos that I always rented from my local hardware store. Yes, home hardware in my hometown was the place in town where you can buy a new toilet, buy some lumber, and rent wrestling and porno tapes gives new meaning to the term hardware or hardcore. So, honorable mentions. Jericho and Benoit, two out of three falls from 2000. Taker versus Edge in 2008. Taker versus Lesnar in 2015. Memeing the crap out of that match. Seth Rollins versus John Cena, also in 2015. And Lesnar versus Angle in 2003. Folks, I hope you have enjoyed this edition of the Fretzelmania podcast on the Russell Attic Radio Patreon. What can you expect from me in the future? Well, I honestly don't know. You're just going to have to wait and find out. Thank you very much for tuning in, folks. Please subscribe to the Russell Attic Radio Patreon and also subscribe to us on iTunes at Addict underscore... Oh, that's Twitter, Addict underscore Russell. Find us on iTunes at Russell Attic Radio the Game Changer Podcast, not your mama's soap opera. 
Kings of the Rings podcast, and the Gift of Podcast. We're all there. We all strive to keep wrestling real. Thank you for tuning in. God bless you. This is Fretz going out.